Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. The Easter Sunday is always a special service. It's right up there for me for one of my favourite services of the year. And we always look for opportunity to present a timeless, unchanging message, but in new and creative ways. And today is actually no different. So what I want to encourage you, church, if you're online or here in the room, we need to lean in this morning. Lean into what's happening. I want you to engage your imagination. And I also want you to turn your attentions to the screen. Thanks. The Day Death Died, a biography of death. Chapter 1, The Birth of Death. I can pinpoint the exact moment that death was birthed. It happened many years ago in a garden called Eden. There, two people, Adam and Eve, enjoyed favour and fellowship with God. Then, one day, enticed by Satan, they ate the forbidden fruit. Their rebellion had a consequence, not only for them, but for all to come. Scripture records that sin entered the world through one man, Adam. And sin gave birth to death. And in this way, Death came to all of us. Why? Because all have sinned. On that day that Adam sinned, a baby was born. And that baby's name was death. Before death's birth, the world was a pleasant place to live. There were no thorns, no thistles. There was no pain, no travail, no labour. The fruit of the land yielded itself willingly and abundantly. The human body was made perfectly and was meant to last throughout all eternity. But death changed all that. He brought along with Him the thorns, the thistles, the pain and the travail. the human body began to decay and deteriorate. 
this world was no longer and is no longer as God intended it to be. Chapter 2, The Power of Death. Death was very active in the early years. It doesn't take long to see him surface in the life of Adam and Eve's firstborn Cain. Cain, motivated by jealousy, strikes down and kills his own brother. Death rapidly becomes the strongest predator on the face of the earth. He relentlessly tracked down each and every victim, catching and wrestling them down to the rot and the mire of the grave. Death went to and fro throughout the earth, stalking its prey. He was seen lurking in the shadows with the souls of men in his grasp. He became the terror of night. He had no favourites. He showed no prejudice. He leapt upon the young and old, men and women, rich and poor alike. He inspired Ahab and Jezebel to go on a murderous rampage, killing both the innocent and the godly. He went into the fiery furnace with those three Hebrew men. And he was expecting to have their charred bodies. But he was robbed of victory that day by the fourth man in the fire who was the Son of God. That's all right, he thought. I will eventually get these three Hebrew boys. And I'll have another encounter with that fourth man. I'll wait. I'll be patient. At the mere mention of death's name, mortal man trembled. He struck terror in the hearts of mankind. He could boast of the billions of men and women who ever lived on the earth. None escaped His clutches. No one except that fourth man in the fire. Chapter 3, The Ambition of Death. 
in his wanderings throughout the earth, death received word that this fourth man in the fire, the very Son of God, had taken upon Himself human flesh and He came to dwell among mortal men. One thought struck death, that if He comes in the flesh, He's mine. Though thwarted in previous attempts, death feels certain that this is the right time. This Son of God, this Jesus has come to Jerusalem as the Messiah. He's playing straight into death's hands. I can see death as He walks with the guards in the Garden of Gethsemane. He snarls. He roars, trying his best to intimidate and to terrorise the Son of God. But Jesus looks straight at him in the eyes. He does not flinch. There's not even one indication of fear. This Jesus has the look of a conqueror. It is death that feels a tremor of fear. Could it be that he's finally met his master? I can see death as he goes along the crowd from the garden to the house of Caiaphas and then on to Pilate. I can hear death whisper into Pilate's ear, kill him, give him over to me. I know how to handle this troublemaker. When that didn't work, death whispered in the ears of the frenzied crowd, Stirring them to cry out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Release to us Barabbas! Let the blood of this man be on our hands and on the hands of all of our children. And so this murderous crowd cries out to Pilate, and death celebrates. He's almost mine. I will devour him. I will destroy him. I will make the plan of God of no effect. Death shouts with glee as he hears Pilate announce that the Christ is to be scourged and crucified. He said, if I can destroy him at the hands of the scourger, 
He won't even make it to the cross, thus aborting God's plan of salvation. With every lash, with every lash of the whip, death lunged upon the body of Christ, but it could not get that fatal grip. That's okay, death said, I'll be patient. This Jesus is mine when He goes to the cross. Death, along with Satan and all of his demons, were present as Christ was laid on that old, rugged cross. They shouted with glee as the brutal Roman soldier placed nails in each hand and feet of Jesus. They laughed as the cross was lifted and dropped into place, tearing at the flesh and sinew of our Lord. They stood well back from the cross that day so that not a drop of His blood would fall upon them. You see, they realised that there is power in the blood of the Lamb. Finally, in the midst of Christ's agony, struggling for breath, He looks at the crowd, those that came to watch Him be crucified, those that mocked Him, those that jeered Him, and He said, Father, forgive them. And with His last breath on the cross, He managed to utter these three words, it is finished. He bowed his head and he died. The sun refused to shine. The earth convulsed. The birds hushed their singing. The angels in heaven stood stunned in amazement as the Creator, the very Son of God, slumped and died. 
pandemonium broke out in hell. But once again, death felt that tremor of fear as he pondered the words of Jesus when he said, destroy the temple and I will rise it again in three days. Chapter 4, The Death of Death. Watch him well, death, roared Satan. Keep him for three days and the kingdom is ours. Day one. It is well. Celebration goes on. Day two, no problems. The party in hell continues. Day three, death feels somewhat faint. Then it happens.
Victor a shout of praise in this place tonight. Come on. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. That'd be good. As good as this story is, it's worth us spending a moment or two reflecting on what this victory over death means for us. Jesus' victory over death has an incredible benefit for everyone in this room, everyone in this community, this nation, and indeed, the whole world. I could talk about many benefits. Let me highlight three very quickly. Jesus' victory over death means that your past sins can be forgiven. All of your mistakes, all of your rebellion, all of the things that you've done wrong, all of the things you wish you'd never have done. Jesus' victory over death means that your slate can be wiped clean. I thought it was worthy of a round of applause. I really did. It would be a brave person in this room today or watching online that would say, but I've never made a mistake. I've never done the wrong thing. No, the Bible says it best when it says we've all sinned. What a sin means, it means stuffed up. Man, let's be honest, we don't even measure up to our own standard, let alone God's holy standard. How many of you have ever let yourself down? How many of you have ever let others down? But with Christ, we can find forgiveness for all of the things we've done that we're ashamed of, upset about, wish we hadn't have done because of that victory on the cross some 2,000 years ago. And I don't know about you, but that's good news. Jesus' victory over death means that our past can be forgiven, but it also means that our present can be managed. You know, we still have to live in this world. And being a Christian and going to church doesn't mean you don't have problems. In fact, sometimes we have more problems. But we have one who has gone before us and defeated death once and for all to give us a power to manage our present. And if ever there was a time in the history of humanity that needs to know how to manage our present, it's 
this generation. With depression on the rise, with all these drugs and things that people are taking in order to cope, Jesus has a plan, a much better plan for you. And if that is you today, there's no condemnation. I'm just so glad you're here. Whether you're in the room or watching online, I'm so glad you're here because the good news is what you're unable to manage right now, Jesus wants to help you manage in the here and the now. And He can and He will because death through its best effort at Jesus and Jesus shook off death as you and I would shake off a fly. That's the power. That's the strength that you can have with Him because of this victory that was won some 2,000 years ago. Jesus' death, or victory, sorry, over death, means that our past can be forgiven. It means our present can be managed. And the good news just keeps getting better. Because it also means that our future can be guaranteed. Our future can be guaranteed. Some of you watching this presentation today may say, well, isn't death still around? And I would say, you're right. Doesn't death still affect us? And again, I would say two from two, you're right. Death is a universal problem. It affects all of us. And it's inevitable that one day we will all face death. It's one appointment we will not be late for. But here's the thing. Because Jesus won that battle some 2,000 years ago, we need not fear death. Why? Because the sting of death is gone. I remember when I was a kid growing up and I got stung by a bee. Anyone here ever been stung by a bee? And you probably noticed what I noticed. When that bee had finished inserting his sting into my arm, the bee continued to walk around. And I remember my dad coming up to me, removing the sting. And with tears in my eyes, I said, Dad, Dad, the bee's still alive. And Dad looked me in the eye and said, yeah, but he has no sting. He can't harm you anymore. We all face death. But because of what Jesus Christ did and the victory that He won over death that day, we need not fear death when we trust our life to Christ. You see, for 
a Christian, for a believer, death is just a homecoming. It's a transition to better things. And Jesus made that possible. Maybe there are some in the room today or some watching online. You don't have that assurance. You don't have that sense of peace or guarantee. That can change for you based upon a decision about Jesus. Because Jesus made a way for us to come to Him and not fear death anymore. Such is the power of Jesus. I saw a quote just the other day that said, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to first go to the cross. Christianity, in its purest, simplest form, is a relationship with God the Father that's been made possible because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And there's an invitation and there's an opportunity for every person on the planet to come to Him that that relationship would be ignited. Just because Jesus went to the cross doesn't mean that we are in a relationship with Him because last time I checked, for a relationship to work, it takes two. Jesus demonstrated His love for us when He went to the cross. How much did Jesus love us? This much. And He waits for an opportunity. If you're in this room today and have been stirred, motivated, inspired, maybe even convicted, that's God speaking to you. That's Him getting your attention. And I can't think of a better decision to make on Easter Sunday than to begin a relationship with Him. Of course, we are not here to force you. Any forced relationship is no relationship at all. Not even Jesus forces us to follow Him. But if you, in your heart, say, I want Jesus. I need Jesus. Maybe some of you are a little bit more like the prodigal son that you've found yourself at a distance from God because of circumstances, because of situations, and you've allowed things to get in between you and that relationship. There's good news for you. All you got to do is come back to Him. 
Like with any relationship, when you've had a fight, you just keep coming back. You say sorry. And so if you've never received Christ, or maybe like the prodigal son, you've walked away, today's a day. And as every eye is closed in this place, I want to give this moment the privacy I believe it's deserving of. As we ponder, as we reflect upon what Jesus did, not just for the world, but what Jesus did for you. And if that's you today, I would love to lead you in a prayer that opens your world up to a relationship with Him. If you're ready, if you're saying, I'm ready today. If you've been living at a distance from God and want to come back to Him today, and you're saying, today's the day. I would love it right here, right now, as every eye is closed in this place, just to acknowledge that there are some in the room that feel that way. Just quickly raise your hand. No one's looking, just quickly raise your hand. God bless you. Yeah, I see that hand. The others in this place are saying yes to Jesus. You're not saying yes to me. You're not even saying yes to this church. We're saying yes to Christ. And I want to lead you in a prayer today. Fantastic. That's awesome. You know, if you raised your hand, I'd love you to repeat this prayer after me. But maybe as members of this church, we could pray along with those responding today, either for the first time or those coming back to Him today. Can we do that? You ready to pray? Fantastic. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank You for loving me. I thank You for dying for my sins. I desire to know You more. I open my heart to You. I surrender to You. Forgive me of all of my sins. Show me Your ways. Help me to live for You. In Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can we just put our hands together for those responding today? If you raised your hand and you're in the room, or even if you didn't, but you know you should have and, and, and wanted to, but didn't have the courage, it's okay. We would love to meet you straight after the service and, and give your Bible because the Bible contains the Word of God. And if you want to get to know God more, you need to get to know His Word because it contains His will and His ways. And we'd love to give that as a gift. If you're watching online, all you got to do is click the I Said Yes link there and we'll make sure you get a Bible. Come on, one more time. Let's put our hands together. That's awesome. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.